Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and the birds are back in black as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 427. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Chris McPherson to discuss the three hottest topics surrounding the Eagles from C-Mac's point of view going into this primetime matchup against the Green Bay Packers. We've got black jerseys for the first time this year. Aaron Rodgers is coming into town, a huge comfort-behind victory to discuss. We're going to hit on all of that and more right at the top of the show. After that, We've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I do a deep dive into this matchup after going through the tape. What are the things you need to watch on both sides of the football? We've got a lot to hit on, especially from this week's Eagles game plan show as well. What are our biggest takeaways? What do we expect to see on Sunday night? We'll hit on that there in that segment. Then, to close out the show in faux focus, I catch up with somebody who has a real bead on this Green Bay team, and that is Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast. He will pick his brain as we close out this show. Now, before we get there... A couple things we want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it here in an upcoming episode. We've got another question we will hit on here this week in the episode. And then also, make sure you check out Eagles Game Plan. Ben and I are going to talk about it throughout the show, but it'll go up on Friday across all Eagles channels. You can check it out locally here if you live in Philadelphia, NBC 10 at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Now, uh, one piece from that Eagles Game Plan show, I did a sit down uh, some film breakdown here with Nick Rallis who is the Eagles linebackers coach we've been talking about them on a weekly basis here on the show and I think they've had excellent seasons and Nick Rallis a big reason why so check out uh, my conversation with Nick Rallis I saved a bunch of it here but the full segment will go on Eagles game plan later this week let's get to my segment here with coach Rallis I guess before we jump into these plays just talk about the overall performance this season but from both TJ Edwards and Kaiser White what have you seen from him so far this season yeah both guys are playing high level football high level linebacker they're playing fast they're playing violent they're playing smart we put a lot on both their plates and and really they play well together Mm. Um, so they're doing a good job of being the center of the defense and helping lead a defense not only on the front but back end you know they got to do everything what was it like just from a, uh, a communication standpoint getting Kaiser and TJ used to working next to each other Kaiser coming over in free agency it didn't take much they really gelled fast together mm-hmm. so it just took practice reps of being out there and I think in the meeting room of talking to each other it, it was they clicked right away and that's the thing with TJ is that we've always seen that that violence downhill that ability to play through contact but this year also and especially in this game some of these open field tackles as well and we saw this uh, in the very next drive yeah so this is kind of what I'm talking about with these two being smart and on the same page so if you play it here off the motion right now they both start talking through their film study and just their knowledge in general that you see watch K White start calling out screen when he's flashing his hand yeah he's calling it out right there and so TJ knows TJ helped tells Hassan you know they had another route concept up off of this formation so TJ kind of checks for that route concept and then once he knows nope this is a screen he does a great job in the open field so when we open field tackle we talk about put my eyes to the hip and running full speed because if my eyes are right my body will follow my eyes but if I'm kind of seeing everything my track might not be good so TJ puts his eyes to the hip that sets his angle on the football and we know right now 
with Haas setting it, if I take a good angle, we call that a cup on the football, right? The ball's not going to cross my face. Ball's not going to cross Hassan's face. We can go hit it for minimal yards. And then really on the finish, what he does a great job of, anytime I'm in the open field, I want to get on the guy's legs. Mm. Because if I'm on the side of the guy and I try to go high and he's, his legs keep going, I don't have anything to stop his momentum, right? I got to cut the engine. So he does a great job at the point of the contact right there of shooting through his legs. At the very least, if even if you are able to hold him up, you know you've got guys coming, you, you've got no Hassan doubt. there, everybody else coming to the rescue. No doubt. That's team That's team defense, 11 on one. And coach, one last thing is just, uh, the you've talked about it a couple of times, the understanding of not just where you are playing on a specific block, but what your teammates are doing. So it's not just, hey, you know what, I'm a linebacker, see ball, get ball, or hey, this is the block, I've got to destroy this block. The angle that Kaiser has to take on this receiver, the, knowing that, hey, I've got markers on my outside, shoulder I have to play this inside out that's something I feel like fans don't necessarily think about watching the game no doubt there's a lot that's going through their mind in a snap moment while also having to play fast and violent and that's why it's a difficult sport and like the way these guys are playing right now if if they didn't have the intelligence the football IQ and the fundamentals they wouldn't be playing at the level they're playing at And again, for that whole segment, be sure to watch the entire Eagles game plan show or check out Tape Study, which will go up on Friday on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and on various social channels. That said, let's now transition into three and out. Let's welcome in C-Mac to the show. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, time to get things rolling here with three and out as I welcome in Chris McPherson. C-Mac, uh, let's go, man. This will be a fun one. We've got a big game here Sunday night. The Eagles in black jerseys for the first time, uh, black helmets for the first time ever. Uh, what's the item number one on your list? Well, let's see, I was going to say it's prime time. The Green Bay Packers come to town, and it's one of those interesting games when you look at the schedule when it first comes out and you say, ooh, this is going to be a battle. Spicy, yep. It's going to be a hot one here. And what's the deal with Green Bay? What's going on? Now, We've seen how the Eagles, and especially with this coaching staff, with Nick Sirianni, how they've handled diversity. Last season, they started 2-5. and five. They rallied to make the playoffs. Well, Matt LaFleur is in his fourth season as a head coach of the Packers. This is the first time they're really dealing with adversity. I mean, they won th- 13 games yep. in each of the previous three seasons. Okay? Well, after a 3-1 and one start this season, seemed like they were on the same trajectory. They're now 4-7. and seven. So what's the deal here? So I'll start with the offense here. DVOA-wise, by Football Outsiders metrics, look, Packers are ninth this year. They're not bad. They were second in the league a year ago, yep. but ninth, okay, a little bit of a drop-off. Huge drop-off, though, is in points. Ninth in the league last season, 26 this season. So you look at the offense, and you know you and Greg Cosell are going to rehash this. The big change, really, on the offensive side of the ball is the loss of Devontae Adams, okay? Yeah. There's health concerns along the offensive line. You know, Aaron Rodgers is adjusting to the new receiver core. Some of those guys, like Romeo Dubs, been out of the lineup. But and Rodgers has not played his best. Uh, that, that's no. the other thing, too, is that I mean he's made some bad mistakes, uh, especially down in the red zone. Uh, there's some timely turnovers. So mm-hmm. to your point, like uh, they've been able to move the ball at times, but yep. haven't been able to put the points up on the board. Uh, we've seen a lot of these drives stall out just as some bad decisions and some of the mistakes on the other guys as well. But uh, I would say that Rodgers is not free from blame either. No, so – Go defensively, Packers are pretty much the same. I mean, 20th in DVOA, 16th in in points allowed. uh, But the standout players really haven't raised their level to kind of, I think, offset that dip in the offense that they probably knew was coming with a younger receiving core after losing Devontae Adams. So 
it's crazy to me. It's just kind of the narrative around the Packers right now because it's like they went from a season-saving overtime, come-from-behind win over the Dallas Cowboys to a Thursday night defeat to the Titans where Derrick Henry, you would have thought, okay, if the Packers lose to the Titans, it's going to be Derrick Henry runs wild. He had 3.1 yards per carry. He had a long of nine yards. It was Ryan Tannehill who threw all over the yard for 333 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And, you know, the Packers in the second half didn't really have many opportunities because of, of the Titans' offense. So, to me, it seems like if the Eagles can jump on the Packers early, the Packers, from a mentality standpoint, might be ready to check out hmm. and be able to get things done. You don't want to give the Packers any confidence, you know, early on in this ball game. It seems like if the Eagles can get a bit of an edge – the Packers might be looking to tap out. Yeah, I think that that is uh, – look, that's a, a worthwhile formula going into any game, right, is, is the idea, right, hey, start fast. That was a, a huge theme for the Eagles uh, through the first eight games, right, yes. was uh, how dominant they were in the second quarter. But I agree with you. I, I think when you look at uh, – I mean, even if you're just, like, reading body language, uh, you just uh, see that if they get into an early hole, uh, that's something that would definitely benefit the, the guys in black jerseys on Sunday night. So going to number two, yep. we've touched on them a little bit already – Packers still have Aaron Rodgers, and there's still talent on that offensive side. I mean, this Aaron Rodgers was the MVP in 2020 and 2021. He was number one in passing DVOA both of those seasons. Now, what's crazy is his interception total is already at seven this season. Yep. He had only four a year ago. There we go. He hasn't had seven in the season. you got to go all the way back to 2016, hmm. okay? He has been so good at taking care of the football. It's what Jalen Hurts has done so well this season, but – Aaron Rodgers, obviously, again, new receivers in the mix here, trying to adjust to them, not been the same Aaron Rodgers. Passing DVOA, I said how he was number one in the league the past two seasons. He's 15th this season, okay? Again, that being said, the talent is still there. Christian Watson, okay, we saw him up close at the senior ball, and he still put in that amazing size and athletic talent uh, combined with, with the skills need to be an NFL receiver, but five touchdowns in the last two games. He's come on strong. Uh, we'll see Romeo Dubs. I know he's been sidelined with the ankle injury, so it's been a shame for the Packers that they don't have them both on the field. Um, the Packers going back to the overtime win over the Cowboys, you know, obviously Watson had the three touchdowns, but Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a stud. Is an underrated running back. I mean, you talk about the best running backs in the league. He needs to be in that conversation. 138 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys. He had just 40 against the Titans. So the Eagles were able to corral Jonathan Taylor after that opening drive uh, last Sunday in, in Indy. They're going to need to do the same here against Aaron Jones. Yeah, one of the things I'm going to be talking about uh, this week on the kickoff show, uh, okay. I believe we, we put together my uh, my Rico extra point for the kickoff show, and I, my idea is going into what the Packers do from those split back sets where they have both running backs on the field, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones' versatility allows them to do so much from those looks. So yeah, like Dillon can get the ball inside, certainly, um, but Jones... Perimeter runs, inside runs, screen game, misdirection element, all the different motions he can do. He can be used as a receiver out of the backfield vertically down the field as well. So uh, I think when you look at Aaron Jones and the way that he can impact this game, to me, like he's the Aaron that has to be circled uh, going into this game from a game plan standpoint. Never, you would never think that, but certainly is a great way to put it right there. So going to my last point here, how will the Eagles offense adjust, mm. okay? You know, 17 points in the win over the Colts. You know, they've been scoring 20 or more dating back to last season. That had not been an issue. So it seems like they're trying to navigate life without Dallas Goddard. 
This coaching staff knows how to adjust. We saw it again last season. We've seen that through the course of this season. You know, with the film coming out and teams getting a beat on what Jalen Hurts is able to do and how he's developing. Uh, we saw Jack Stoll get the majority of the snaps at tight end. And I thought he did very good from a blocking standpoint, but obviously he's not the receiver that Dallas Goddard is, and it's not a knock to him, but that's going to be tough to overcome. Still, the Eagles at times moved the ball, but penalties were an issue. That resurfaced in this game. The turnovers didn't come in opportune times. The Colts also had great interior run defenders with uh, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. Kenny Clark, who's a very, very good defensive lineman for the Packers, hasn't played at his all-pro level this season. If you go by pro football focuses metrics, this is his worst season of his career. Devondre Campbell, who had a revitalization last season with the Packers, got a contract extension. He's been hurt, so he's not been able to be an impact player in this in this game. The Packers have also struggled in the secondary with, with uh, coverage busts this season. And when you look at Jair Alexander, who's not played to his normal level, he's a very talented former first-round pick. Yep. Rasul Douglas, who had the bounce-back year for, for them last season. We all know him here from his time in Philadelphia. Uh, Rashawn Gary's out you know, for for extended period of time. Um, you know, the the Titans were able to throw the ball all over the yard, and Ryan Tannehill, especially on deep passes, was was four of six for 141 yards on passes of 20 yards or more. And then even when the Packers trying to offset the loss of Gary and would bring the blitz, Tannehill's 14 of 15 for 232 yards and a touchdown. So Hertz has had his success against the Blitz this season. I feel like this has got to be a get-right game for the offense overall. We know, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston's guy Kenny Gamewell were kind of uh, uh, locked up for most of the game last Sunday. It seems like this would be a good week to get everything back on track. Yeah, I think when you look at this Packers defense, uh, you know, the big thing, and they're one of these teams, CMAC, where the blitz numbers can be kind of conflated when, from a metric standpoint because most of their, you know, quote unquote blitzes are just those basic, hey, if we're going to line up in our five man front and everybody's coming. Um, and so some people don't count that as a blitz. I personally would still count that as a blitz. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can, you know, make the argument either way, and I'm fine with it. Um, but, it, it, they don't, it's not like they do all these like creative, exotic pressures. Oh, you got to prepare for this. You got to watch out for this guy coming. There's something like 20, 29th in the NFL when it comes to like DBs blitzing. So it's not like everything's coming from the second and third level. But, um, you know, I do think ultimately when you look at this defense, as you mentioned, there are still guys that, that can beat you on any given play. I mean, there's Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, uh, Devondre Campbell. You know, I know he's been in and out of the lineup, but Quay Walker has made some plays. Uh, he had a. a, a uh, a sack the other night he's had, against he's Tennessee. Had flashes, he's yeah. had really good flashes. So I think when you look at uh, this defense, I think the Eagles have to prevent – don't let them keep this team in the game. You want to make sure uh, that you're taking care of business. I think the, the, there are going to be some opportunities to be able to run the football against this team. And you know, look, they play a lot of single high. Because they do a lot of those five-man rushes, uh, you're going to see a lot of just like three under, three deep in terms of uh, – from a coverage standpoint. They're going to play straight zone coverage. It's going to be three exactly what it sounds like, three deep down the – field uh, and three underneath and you kind of sit back in zone coverage and see if you can make a play there, there's going to be opportunities for Jalen Hurts to pick apart the zone Hurts has been very good against zone at times this yep. season so as long as he's been able to stand tall in the pocket uh, against that pressure so if the O-line uh, can hold up against that five-man rush uh, that's something we can keep an eye out for uh, on Sunday we'll see Mac uh, this has been great once again thanks so much for joining us here for three and out on the Eagle Island Sky podcast let's get down to business it's time for Chalk Talk
All right, so good stuff there from C-Mac. Let's now welcome in Ben Fennell for some chalk talk. And Ben, uh, we're going to talk through Eagles game plan this week. And this week on the show, we started with the Eagles defense going up against these this Packers offense. And I felt like uh, just that defensive performance and not going up against Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones – it, it, it bared meaning that we should uh, start with that unit here in the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's still the defining nature of this Packers team is the two-time back-to-back MVP. Yep. Or excuse me, three-time MVP and Aaron Rodgers, if you add them all up. But uh, the way they can beat you with Aaron Jones and you know uh, the, the veterans and David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins is healthy and in the lineup. Um, still have to beat this Packers offense. So going through it, you know, obviously one of the big topics going into Monday, watching film for the first time, was, okay, well, what did uh, Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Su look like? They, obviously they both played uh, big roles in their debut. And, yeah, like both guys looked really good. 74, 72, we wrote their numbers down a number of times while going through the film. But uh, there are so many guys that I felt really strongly about. I thought Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Reddick, Hargrave, all the Milton Williams really shined. All those guys played so, so well up front along the defensive line. And so when we talked with Ike about, hey, what do you want to break down this week? And he said, I just felt like there were a lot of really good examples of overall team run defense. And we had plenty of picks to plays to choose from. And it, uh, it was a good topic to hit on against the uh, Giants. Almost every play of the good run defense, it's a collective sense. Yeah. This isn't often a single gap scheme where guys are just flying into backfields and can potentially make an isolated play for themselves. Yep. There's a lot of combo gaps, a lot of gap and a half, some two gapping in. In there a lot of different defensive fronts where it takes everybody it takes you being gap sound somebody setting the edge somebody filling from depth forcing the running back you know collapsing and suffocating the running back saw a lot of reps of that where literally you can ramble and talk about five six different players doing their job on a given play and the funny thing is you know fans are saying oh, what about the opening drive there were some dominant reps from Linval on the opening drive yep. where he did his job, maybe somebody else didn't. Or maybe somebody's in the right spot, and hey, Jonathan Taylor's a pretty good running back too, like we saw on that big run the opening drive. Perfectly fit up. Bradbury's right there. He just missed the tackle. Missed you tackle. Know, Jonathan Taylor's pretty good at uh, you know avoiding those tackles. But I thought Linval looked really good off and around the center. A lot of no shades, very stout at the point of attack. Look out for Ndamukong Sue playing all over the place. Mm. Even if you go back to last year at Tampa, played nose tackle on the goal line, he'll play defensive end on any given snap. Yep. He is a ageless wonder at 280 pounds, can play anywhere, still has a good first step as well flew off the ball a couple snaps. I'm really excited about Sue. Yeah, well, uh, these guys have a big test here, this entire front going up against the Packers. Uh, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, we talked about it in the last segment with C-Mac. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it with Peter as well in the next one, but uh, Aaron Jones, you got to deal with this run game. He could beat you in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the run game is still the foundation of this offense. Matt LaFleur runs a foundational scheme, and the run game makes everything else tick. Now, when the run game doesn't tick, they struggle in Green Bay, and it really hasn't ticked the way it has the previous three years, and that's why they've tried to fix things on the fly. But the run game is the foundation, and a lot of that comes with misdirection, motion, eye candy to leverage a lot of those blocks and open up some running lanes. And the second the running lanes are there, that's when they hit the play action, the RPOs, and you're sitting there you know, left holding your pocket, not knowing what you're looking at, and they're playing so fast. That was the previous three years. Not as consistent this year for a variety of reasons. Obviously, no Devontae Adams. You don't get better removing a Devontae Adams from your team. That's a serious, serious loss, losing the speed and the continuity in MVS, some injuries to the old line to start the season. 
they're playing catch up. It hasn't gone to plan as as we all know. Um, but working in a young Christian Watson is exciting. Yep. Uh, seeing Alan Lazard out there, who is a dynamic weapon uh, for that offense as well. Yeah, it works the middle of the field so well. And I, I actually wrote down watching. Uh, he's pro- maybe one of the best slot fade weapons in the NFL. Sure. Alan Lazard with how, uh, with his usage and uh, what he's able to do. He's from a move tight end. Yeah, that's a, that's, how, yeah. that's what his usage says. Um, I, I agree with you there. Uh, and real quick, Alan Lazard, just to uh, kind of tell the whole story. He went to Iowa State because of the family lineage. Hmm. He had some yeah, offers from I, USC, I Stanford, that. things like that. Yeah. I always think about that. Yeah, that's Because right. he, he had some family members go to Iowa State, so he continued the lineage. If he had gone to a bigger school, for all intents, Iowa State, I know plays in the Big 12, but not the prospect factory we all come to think of. Yeah, that's right. I just wonder what the attention would be, because he hmm. is a heck of a football player. He's a good kid. He blocks, catches the ball, has great play speed, great size. He's been nothing but exceptional for these Green Bay Packers. And I remember early in his career at Iowa State, it was like, oh, yeah, they've got this 6'5 receiver that returns punts. And it's like, yeah, like he does damage with the ball in his hands. Yeah. So with that I mean, Hakeem speed. Butler got so much attention like, right. over him. And, yep. you know, just, he just couldn't, couldn't get ahead of the buzz. So you follow this Packers team really closely. Just I want to get your thoughts. Aaron Rodgers, just in terms of his overall play and just the, the – you know, the, People kind of lose sight of before Matt Lafleur got there, the end of the McCarthy era. Like it wasn't just like scheme. Like Rodgers was not playing particularly well either. It took time to adjust into this new scheme with Lafleur. Played excellent these last two seasons, obviously, and then uh, a little bit of a fallback. You talked about the changes in personnel, but what do you think about Aaron Rodgers in a vacuum with what you've seen so far? This yeah, fall? the end of the McCarthy era. He obviously was banged up with the the knee wasn't the same. His mobility wasn't the same, and them generating and producing offense out of structure wasn't the same. And yeah. It was really that crossroads of a young quarterback turning into an aging quarterback and had to trust the offense and play within structure more. Now, that came at the expense of Mike McCarthy as head coach. LaFleur comes in, installs a scheme, foundational run scheme, run first offense, and when that run game is hitting, makes your quarterback's life really easy. And I've kind of facetiously called him a back-to-back MVP game manager. Because that's how easy some of the offense was for him. Some throws were wide open, schemed open players, RPOs, efficient run game, play action elements. His life was very easy. Now you turn to this year, suddenly the run game is in establishing and the trickle effect to the rest of the offense has just been brutal. Now, why is that? I mentioned some things like the offensive line, but the continuity with the weapons, the trust with the weapons, the being on the same page with the weapons, it's going to take time. To add in two rookies and a Romeo Dubs and a Christian Watson to put more on the page, on the shoulders of young players like Amari Rogers, who unfortunately got cut two weeks ago, and then guiding guys up the speed off the street like a Sammy Watkins. It's an uphill climb. You don't just replace a Devontae Adams, and he had a great rapport with MVS and other players like that, and you start putting more focus on individuals and the clock is ticking to develop and start contributing. And that's some very core players, whether A.J. Dillon, Robert Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara. You know, the bullseye is on them to step up. There's even players up front that aren't going anywhere. Hmm. Josh Myers isn't going anywhere. Right. Yep. He needs to play more consistent. He's very up and down as well. So uh, there's a lot of players that have been inconsistent. Rodgers obviously takes the heat for a lot of that being the quarterback. But with the offense not ticking and the foundation failing, They've been trying to scratch and claw on the fly. And now it's a little bit of integration of Rogers saying, well, this is what I want to do now that your scheme isn't working, LaFleur. So now it's a mishmash of a lot of different things, and it doesn't always look great. 
So real quick, uh, going over to the other side of the football as well. You know, there's been so much talk this week about the game-winning play, the 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 uh, QB draw. Uh, was it a pass run option? Was it uh, just a de- designated draw? Like football Twitter is obsessed with this play. You and I were going back and forth as we were watching the film on Monday. Like, was it just a design draw? Did he have the ability to throw that to the stick route? Was Devontae Smith a part of the progression at all? Uh, just kind of going through. Uh, it's, it's a fun play to break down. We didn't do it in the show, um, but it was just a it's a fun play that really has kind of captured uh, film analysis Twitter all week long. Hey, I was telling you, go knock on Steichen's door. I was hoping to catch <laughs> Jalen Hurts at the urinal to ask him. You know, it's been a fun discussion out there. Uh, but the play in itself is a great concept because whether it's in the read for the quarterback or not, the defense has to respect it. And when you have a draw blocking, draw play blocking, which means the offensive line is taking a pass set, the linebacker gets into a coverage responsibility, he says he sees a tight end flashing his hands and running a deliberate intended route, you better stick to him and cover him. And I think that's what you saw on that play. The other linebacker tried to get over top of the draw action as he sees Kelsey coming around, and Hertz runs right through the middle like Moses in the C's parton. Yeah, it's a it's a fun play. And it's it's one of those things you say it all the time is don't let action divine motivation. And you know, obviously we saw the result of the play, uh, but it's tough. We have to understand what the limitations of the tape are and not understanding what all of the reads were uh, on that play. But I think the ambiguity in it from the film. That's that's ideal. That's what you want as no an question. offense. You, yep. you want people guessing like, I don't know, was that a read? Was it not? Could he have thrown it? Could he have not? The defense has to respect all of the options on the table, and that's that's ultimately what the Seagulls offense wants. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's now uh, get into some of the throws that Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. made because we broke down a couple of them. Uh, uh, Greg was giddy to break down the Quez, mm-hmm. Quez Watkins touchdown, uh, so we had him break that down in this show. He, does, he, he usually does not do uh, Eagles plays. He usually is focused ahead on the opponent, but he felt that strongly about the touchdown to Quez Watkins that we broke that one down. A.J. Brown, the 29-yard reception in the first quarter, uh, we gave that one to Mike Quick as well. Yeah, a couple of really nice ones. Some great anticipation throws to Devontae Smith on the backside, uh, you know, throwing a great uh, you know, route or throw before Devontae broke. Um, there's a play where he climbed and kept his eyes up and hit Devontae over the middle, going from right to left. Beautiful accuracy while climbing in the pocket, moving up slightly to his left. That was a big-time play. Yeah. I mean, out of my six, seven favorite throws, I think only one or two of them were play action. A lot of them were straight drop plays. Mm. Like that play to uh, Quez Watkins in the touchdown? Straight drop. Straight drop back. Yep. No run action, no misdirection, no you know buying time with some sort of backfield action. Straight drop. That was big boy football in the high red zone. It's very similar to the concept he hit to A.J. Brown against the Texans on Thursday night. Yep. And it's really just the next step of Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I've been so impressed with him this year. I've been one of his biggest doubters. My eyes have been glued to him. He has blown me away with his ability to play quarterback and being a passer in the pocket. Very, very impressed. We know he can run. We know he's a leader. We know he's tough. We know he's going to show up every day of the week, 24-7. We need him to take the next step as a quarterback and as a, as a passer from the pocket. He's blown me away, and you got to give him credit. Tip your hat. And a win like that, hey, ugly wins are beautiful on the road in the mm. NFL. That's what it looks like. No apologies. Don't say, yeah, at the end of the year, well, everyone remember that Colts game? We barely made it out. That really wasn't a win. Nobody does that. Take your win. Move on to the next week. So I want to ask you, what is Jalen and this uh, Eagles offense, what do they see here this weekend against the Green Bay Packers defense? Uh, injuries at all three levels, obviously, have impacted this group. But what do you think of this matchup, Eagles offense versus Packers D? Yeah, another team, uh, you know, side of the ball. Just the season has not gone to plan. They expected a more dominant defense this year. They thought the defense took two steps forward and the offense took a step back in Green Bay. Seems like everybody took a couple steps back. They expected this defense to be dominant with two 
two first-round picks dedicated to the defense, a lot of veterans and high-profile and expensive veterans like uh, Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark and Devondre Campbell. They expect to show up and play. Just has not gone to plan for a variety of reasons. They're now changing the scheme a little bit, playing more man coverage, moving guys like Darnell Savage down to the slot role. Stokes has been out. Rashawn Gary, exceptional young player, one of the best young edge rushers in the NFL, unfortunately dinged up. They're going to have to pay him as well, too. So this Packers team has a lot of kind of issues on the field, off the field, scheme-wise. A lot of the people in the Packers land are kind of calling for Joe Barry's head out there just to have some sort of impact change with this team. They stood still at the trade deadline to everybody's frustration. They want change in Green Bay right now. Who's going to make it? Where is it coming from? Or do you just ride this storm and hope uh, you know things get fixed out onto the field? You know They want Joe Barry to go. Joe Barry didn't miss any tackles this year. So, you know, it's that whole conversation yep. of is it the Jim- Jimmys and Joes or the X's and O's or something in between. This Packers team has not gone to plan, and I think their record uh, really shows that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been tough sliding, just especially because of all the injuries stacking up. That has not helped them uh, in particular. Hey, but you don't want to be their get-right game. Sure. So no they're doubt. still a professional team, as I like to say. They have millionaires on both sides of the ball, too. Don't let this be the get-right game for the Packers. All right, let's go to uh, some numbers. I know you've been pulling a bunch sure. here. Is there one that stands out most to you here going into Sunday night? Yeah, some simple ones. You know, I love that this was the second game this season coming back from down two scores. Mm. Don't forget week four, Jacksonville, down 14 nothing early in the rain. Love just seeing them come back from adversity. This one, though, a little bit of a different shape. 106 yards on offense in the fourth quarter. First time generating 100 yards in the fourth quarter this season. First time they've really been up against the wall in a competitive game in the fourth quarter. So it was nice to see them have some adversity, pull out two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, big time, and one for the other side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers leads the NFL in percent of of passes behind the line of scrimmage. You're stealing something from me, Big firepower arm Aaron Rodgers leading the NFL in passes behind the line of scrimmage. Why is that? Heavy, heavy RPO offense out there in Green Bay. So there's all the talk about this week, the, the RPO with Jalen Hurts and the touchdown. There's only one team that throws more RPOs <laughs> from a percentage standpoint more than the Eagles, and it's the Packers. Yep. Uh, so, and they're third in screens as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot of throws at or near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and when you don't have, you know, maybe the high-powered players with the ball in their hands, those quick throws out there aren't generating the, the damage that they had in the past with, yep. you know, the Devontae Adams of the world who – Sneaky yards after catch receiver. I know we mm. give a lot of love for his release package and his route running. Really good yards after catch as well. Matchup. Give me a one-on-one battle that's uh, going to catch your eye here Sunday. Well, we talked a lot about it. We talked about the pony set, those two running backs yep. in Green Bay, two different profiles, a big back, a you know a versatile back in Aaron Jones, the RPO game, the motion game. That puts a lot of stress on linebackers, friend. So mm-hmm. I want to see TJ Edwards, uh, obviously a little kind of homecoming battle here going up yep. against Green Bay, being a Wisconsin boy. And then Kaiser White. So those two against not only A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, but against Matt LaFleur, the RPOs, the misdirection. And Aaron Jones likes to run some routes too, and some of those are down the field. I'm wondering who's going to cover those. So yep. excited to see. Maybe T.J. Edwards pulled out of his comfort zone a little bit uh, schematically. Let me go uh, to the other side of the football. I think their best player on defense, Kenny Clark, uh, matched up against Landon Dickerson, who um, you know I think that it's been a little bit up and down for Landon throughout, especially these last uh, few games. So Kenny Clark, Landon Dickerson, that's a matchup to watch, both run game and pass game uh, when you look at that battle in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot of uh, Those are two a lot boys of that show up in overalls, I can yes. tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of mass uh, with that battle. 
battle. So, uh, Ben, plenty to chew on here for this game, Sunday Night Football. Be sure to check Ben and I out over on the Journey to the Draft podcast as well, getting you, getting you ready for Rivalry Weekend here in college football. Ben, we'll talk to you next week. All right, so great stuff there from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do, at BenFennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of, all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is just one way to support the show, though, because the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. I wanted to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. Michael left a five-star review and said, uh, here's the question here from Michael. The topic of inadequate run defense by the Eagles has become popular in recent weeks, but isn't this happening to other teams also? It seems to me that with the evolution of the passing game, defensive box players have become faster and lighter over the years. Finally, offensive coaches are countering this with running schemes where offensive linemen are pushing back these lighter defensive players. What is your analysis? So, Michael, it's a good question. And look, it's a topic we hit on last week. Uh, You know, there was a, a segment on ESPN with Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes that I would encourage anybody to go check out if you did miss it, where they talked about just the the run efficiency and the success rate of the run game up across the NFL yards per attempt is four four point five three right now going into this past week I have to check what it is uh, at this point right now but last week at this time it was four point five three yards per attempt which was the highest in like uh, maybe NFL history but at least in the last uh, decade that I went back and looked I was just going back and forth uh, looking at, at run efficiency over the last few years and uh, it's been the highest certainly in the last decade and then you look at other other numbers that help support this. Uh, I was looking at the number of reps uh, in any given week where you see eight plus defenders in a box, and it is an, uh, it's at the lowest it's been in over eight years uh, right now here this season. You look at explosive run percentage, it's the highest it's been in four years, the second highest in a decade. You look at EPA per play on rushing plays, it's the highest in the last 10 years since you go back and chart EPA per play. So I think when you look at the run game right now, yeah, no matter what metric you use, you're going to see that the run game is in vogue. The people are moving the football on the ground. Now, again, some people are going to say that that's okay. You are willing to live with that. But you also have to accept that in your analysis and in following your team is that, yeah, you're going to give up a little bit more on the ground, but are you keeping them off the scoreboard? Are you creating explosive plays uh, for your defense in terms of tar- takeaways and turnovers and sacks? So I think ultimately uh, the, the the discussion of the run game versus the pass game, that is going to continue on, but uh, will teams continue to try and adjust to be able to stop the run? That will be a big topic here, especially as, uh, the, weather, as the weather turns and we start to get a little bit colder, a little bit frostier, a little bit icier uh, out there. We'll see if teams uh, try and see if they divert more resources to stop the run and then what that means for the pass game, and we'll let the chess match ensue from there. So good stuff there. Really good question from Michael. Really appreciate the five-star review over on our Apple podcast page. Again, that is the number one way to throw us your support at this point in the calendar year. That said, uh, let's wrap up the show. We've got Peter Bukowski here for Faux Focus Talking Packers. Let's get to that segment now. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, joining us here this week for Faux Focus is Peter Bukowski. You could follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast. Peter, welcome to the show. Good to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I want to ask you uh, the first question we ask every single one of our guests in this segment every week. You're going to put on the hat of the offensive coordinator. In this case, former offensive line coach turned OC Adam Senovich. What is the biggest strength for this Packers offense entering this game? What gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this one on Sunday night? 
I think, well, I think those are frankly two different things, unfortunately, for the mm. Packers right now. And, and that is the run game. The run game has been terrific this season, despite really inconsistent blocking. I think from this Packers offensive line, um, it, it's a little bit trick or treat when they block things up, man, it looks so, so juicy. And then Aaron Jones has just been absolutely unbelievable this season. His rushing yards above expectation have been off the charts. They're a top five rushing offense adjusting for schedule, even with the blocking being a bit hit or miss. And part of that is because they vary their looks so extensively. And part of it is because so much of this is on Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage to say, okay, favorable run. Look, here's the run play favorable pass. Look can to the pass. And, and I think that that usage of Aaron's brain has been a boon for this run game. That being said, um, over the last few weeks, they've gone to some more run it runs um, specifically because they, they, I think Rodgers was forcing things a little bit in the passing game, just trying to get things working, even if they could run into favorable boxes. Aaron Jones, there was a point in midseason where Aaron Jones had not had a single rush against a, a loaded box, not one, because so much of their runs are in these packages where you can get to this, you know, the, the canned play. And so, you know, over five yards of carry, he's been awesome. I, I think that if they can do that, if they can run the ball successfully, that that sets up everything for them. And we saw it against the Titans. The Packers ran the ball all over Dallas, a very good run defense. And that allowed them to get to the play action pass to Christian Watson down the field and set up those chunk plays against the Titans. They couldn't run it the same way. And even if you are like me, someone who goes, well, you don't need to do that to have good play action. It's more about, you know, marrying the run and pass look and, and the play calling and all that stuff. You still NFL coaches still want to be able to run the ball to get to those play action passes. And they didn't do that against the Titans. And so if Philly can stop the run, now you really have a problem if you're the Packers because trying to throw with these receivers, um, Romeo Dobbs not expected to play in this game. Sammy Watkins has been a shell of his former self with Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb. That's a that's a nice group if you're not playing Darius Slay and James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And like, it's just, it's not what you want. If the Packers have to throw the ball to win this game, they're going to be in trouble. So going back real quick to, to Aaron Jones, elevator speech, what, what makes him so special in your mind? What is it that kind of sets himself apart from other running backs? His, I say this every, seemingly every game, he would be such a good pass rusher if he wanted to be because his his ability to bend corners and change angles is really unbelievable his ability to his bottom half stays stable and explosive and yet his upper half is like he's like the leaning tower of pisa and he's able to turn corners without having to fully to get his hips around like the, the flexibility in his body he's like gumby he's unbelievable his ability to just all of a sudden it looks like there's no edge to get he bends it like von miller and all of a sudden he's around the corner and it's, it's a really cool thing to watch play in and play out. He doesn't have to take all these shuffle steps to change directions. He doesn't have to jump cut to change directions. He can stay moving at a high rate of speed. You see Dalvin Cook do this too. He's awesome at it where he's just, he never seems to have to slow down to change directions, even if his top end speed is not crazy fast. So that's the thing about Aaron Jones is it doesn't have to be blocked perfectly. He can make guys miss in the hole, which he has consistently this year. The first guy, I, I mean, it seems like if he has... 20 rushes in a game less than three times in a game is the first guy bringing him down. It's just, mm. he's so slippery too, and underratedly strong that, that 
he is he is really tough to take down and and i think underratedly fast too like yeah. in the in the open field he can turn 6 into 12 in a blink if your second level defenders are not in good position all of a sudden they're in run and chase mode well, and that's what has kind of like stood out to me watching this offense on film over the last couple of weeks is that, uh, you know, he's got that multidimensional skill set. He can beat you inside and outside, but they do love getting him on those perimeter plays, those sweeps, those G schemes, those uh, those outside runs and then softening it up and then try and come back uh, with A.J. Dillon downhill. Former second round pick just a couple years ago. Was it two, three years ago now at this point? What are your thoughts on A.J. Dillon this year? Is he like missing like a juice that was there previously? I know it hasn't been like the best year for him. What are your thoughts on A.J. Dillon? I guess short term and long term. Yeah, he looks like a different guy this year. And and normally when we say that, it's it's like, oh man, this this is a different guy, right? Like we're so excited. He looks like a different player, but he looks like a different player in a bad way. Last year, he was so, so physical and explosive at the same time. He was able to be the big back who could also explode through a hole and, and create big plays. I mean, he had a 50 yard catch and run against Seattle where guys are just bouncing off of him. And he looks like, how is any defensive back supposed to tackle this dude? And this year he looks even bigger. I think he said he put on a little bit of weight, but like he said it was good weight right now. It doesn't look like good weight. He doesn't mm. look explosive. And they've, you mentioned it. They've lived on some of these pin pole edge runs and Aaron Jones is killing teams with him. But when they do it with AJ Dillon, he just, he can't get to the edge yeah. and he doesn't have the same sort of um, ability to turn the corner. Um, he has to be a downhill runner and, and that's, that's not ideal. Now they, they, they mix in fun gap schemes and power schemes and they've done some cool stuff from the gun. You, you, you motion to Josiah to in and you have these split gun formations where they like to run out of it. And there's some cool stuff to do there. It's I, I just he Dylan does not look like the same explosive player when last year you look at some of the advanced numbers. I mean, Sports Info and Solutions had him as one of the most valuable running backs in the league in, ter in terms of value he created, not just in the blocking scheme. Pro Football Focus had him as one of the highest graded runners in football. He just doesn't look like that guy this year. And I, I can't really explain it beyond I wonder if he got a little too rocked up. Hmm. And you know, because he's this muscled up dude. If you saw him without a shirt on, you'd think he's competing in Mr. Universe. He's he's a physical specimen, but I wonder if he just got a little too big um to be playing football right now. Let's go over to the defensive side of the football. You can put on your uh, defensive coordinator Joe Barry hat. Uh what is the biggest strength on defense going into Sunday night? What gives you most confidence to win this football game? Yeah, it's your it's your corners on the edge. Um, and that's sort of what makes the 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 issue defensively with this team so frustrating because they have some nice defensive back players. I think moving Darnell Savage to the slot is is helping him, although I think that he had some some issues against Tennessee, just with some some pretty simple, frankly, um coverages that he didn't know. Like, am I supposed to carry this guy on the seam or is that is that Jair's responsibility? So, but Jair Alexander on the boundary, awesome, awesome player. Um, Russell Douglas opposite him has been a, a revelation, former Eagle, right? Yep. And um, has, has has looked like a guy that um, earned the contract that he got this offseason, not the guy that cycled through the Eagles organization and the Cardinals practice squad before landing in Green Bay and last year, you know, picking off every third pass that came his way, it felt like last year, got Ryan Tannehill again on Thursday, baited him into a throw he falls back underneath a throw that Tannehill thinks he's he's clean on. Um, he's such a smart player to the point that Aaron Rodgers compared him to Charles Woodson in, mm. in training camp. He's just a really smart football player. 
comes up and fits the run on the edge much better than Eric Stokes had been, who's hurt, unfortunately, for the season. So I think that's a, that's a great place. And before Rashawn Gary's injury, I would have said the pass rush because yep. this team was really creating problems for opposing offenses. Kenny Clark on the inside, Jaron Reed ate up the Dallas Cowboys, had six pressures in that game. And, and Kingsley Anigbari has been a little bit of a revelation for them. Fifth round pick this year out of South Carolina. He's more of a, a polished power guy versus someone who's going to bend the edge and explode past you. But he's also a solid run defender, too. He's had a nice season this year. Um, his win rates are you know, better than guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker. I mean, he's he's doing some really nice things. But that was the problem, Fran, against the Titans was they couldn't get pressure on Ryan Tannehill unless they were sending five. Yeah, And right. that that Titans offensive line is not nearly as good as this Eagles offensive line. So I think that's a big problem for Green Bay. Do they want to get to some of these designer blitzes? They use that 6-1 look against Derrick Henry, and it worked. They stopped the run effectively against Derrick Henry. Do they want to try and get a little bit more creative, double mug the A-gap, and see if Jalen Hurts is going to beat them? The problem with that is he can run in a way that Ryan Tannehill can't. So are, are you going to blitz the running quarterback? Are you going to bring more slot blitzes, corner blitzes? Are you, how, how are you going to... Um, try and manage both elements. And that's what makes this Eagles offense so difficult to prepare for because it's like, okay, if you load up to stop one thing, that just makes it easier to do the four other things that the Eagles do well offensively. And and if you're Joe Barry, I mean, I don't know how much sleep you're getting this week. I'm glad I'm not Joe Barry and I get <laughs> to have some sleep. I do have a toddler, so I'm not getting, you know, a ton of sleep. Feel but, I, I, you know, I, uh, I I'm glad I'm not Joe Barry this week. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the the tough part about it. You mentioned those six one fronts. I mean, the, if you do that against this Eagles team, the ability to match up with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith on the perimeter, as you mentioned, uh, you know, can keep you up at night. Uh, so now let's transition to Matt Matt Lafleur. You're the head coach. What's the biggest concern going into this matchup with the Eagles? And this could be from either side of the football. Man, um, I, I think it is defensively right now. They're 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 able to, to scheme up to stop one thing. It seems like, and they're not, they have not played a complete defensive game where it's like, okay, if you want to try and stop the run, they can, they can do that in a given week. They can't do both. Mm. And and that is the problem. Offensively. It's the same issue. Um, a week weeks where they can really run the ball. They have not been able to throw it with the exception of one game against the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago. And so this inability to play complementary football, has been a big problem. And just on the same side, like good pass defense and good run defense or good passing offense and good rushing offense. The Packers have not been able to find those balances. And that's that's before we get to, oh, hey, the offense is not playing great. Can the defense pick them up? Or, hey, the defense isn't playing great. Can the offense pick them up? No, they haven't done that really all season. And so it is hard. They're going to need a complete game to beat the Eagles. Expecting them to play one having seen them play precisely zero this season, yeah, that's, uh, that's a tall order. Hmm. In your mind, Peter, just the last question for you. Most pivotal matchup uh, on Sunday in your mind? I think it is the Packers offensive line against the Eagles defensive line. And, hmm. and if you want me to get even more granular than that, I'll say pass protection. Because if you can protect Aaron Rodgers, even with as good as this secondary is, I think you can you your Aaron Rodgers is going to find opportunities. He'll fit balls into windows that don't exist. I mean, he had two throws against the Titans where the ball caught the receiver. I mean, unbelievable <laughs> just yeah. like couldn't go out and hand it to them better. One on a on a on a 
it's not even a back shoulder throw. It's hard to even describe. It was like a 22 yard fade stop where he just hit Sammy Watkins in the hand. Sammy Watkins turned around and the ball is there. And then another one on a sideline throw to Alan Lazard in perfect coverage. Lazard makes a great play. Um, and, and so even if you're in coverage, because Aaron Rodgers can put the ball wherever he wants sometimes, um, that, that creates problems, but you have to be able to protect. If you can protect that gives Rodgers opportunities. And then I think the, the, the bigger thing though, the full matchup is if the Packers can run the ball hmm. and that's the offensive line here Yep, against Indomitian Sue now involved Joseph, you make these, these additions to shore up the middle of that defense. If the Packers can run the ball. That makes it so much easier than to protect, right? Because that opens up play action um, and, and some of the more interesting um, shot play stuff that the Packers like to get to play action shot plays. Um, the Packers have been using jet motion really effectively. Jet motion, yep. this is something that that Ben Fennel has been on all year. Their splits when they use jet versus not in the run game is huge, like yard per carry average. They average over five yards per carry using jet this season. And the holes just open up in the middle of the field when you can stress the defense that way. So um, if the Packers offensive line can win effectively, that is where this game can be won for Green Bay if there's a path to that. Yeah, and I, I think that's the world that the best version of this offense wants to live in, right, is the, the run game is cooking, then you've got all the motions and, and play action passes off of that. And, that. and honestly, that was the formula that Washington was able to use a couple Mondays yep. ago, and it was a winning formula for them. Now, can Green Bay replicate that? They certainly have the talent to do so, but I, I think that will be one of the big themes to watch early on in the first half uh, of this game. Peter, thanks so much once again for joining us here for Faux Focus on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And uh, again, everybody can go check out Peter's work on Twitter. Peter? Thanks so much, man. Anytime, friend. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, so great stuff there from Peter, Peter Bukowski. Uh, again, go follow him on Twitter at Peter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Now, uh, real quick, we talked about Eagles game plan throughout this show. Uh, we've got some more analysis from that crew. John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. Due to time constraints, you know, every single week I save that that little bit that, we, that was left on the cutting room floor. I plug it here into the end of the podcast. Let's get to that analysis right now. But I was just so impressed with the defense entirely. They did so many things. The different fronts that they showed that offense of the Colts, uh, the different post-snap looks, they're lining up deep, and then they're coming down. They're taking away the quick throws. The defense on Sunday was as good as I've seen it with the mixture and the early blitzing on early downs. I thought there was a fantastic job by Jonathan Gannon. Now, I mentioned Rodgers, but the reality is this season – that the Packers' best version of themselves has been when they've run the ball with both volume and production. And they have two distinct backs. They have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Now, A.J. Dillon is a totally different back. Dillon must work inside between the tackles. So very often you see different kinds of runs with A.J. Dillon. And one example of that is what we call duo. Two double team blocks inside. You try to move those defensive tackles just enough to create a crease for Dylan to get through. Dylan needs to get on track and stay on track. He is not a re-accelerator. He can't stop his feet and then start again. So if you can create a crease at the first level and get him moving with some speed, some velocity through that first level to the second level, and then he can get to the third level as he churns his legs. But this is really where the Packers have been at their best. You go back two weeks, Jones and Dylan 
combined for 37 rushes against the Dallas Cowboys for 230 yards in a game the Packers came from two touchdowns down to win. All right, Aaron Rodgers and the talent may not be the same this year, but you always got to watch out for Aaron Rodgers. He's got five touchdowns, no interceptions his last two games. Yep. It can come out at any time. Yeah, with Alan Lazard, Kristen Watson, the young kid out of North Dakota State, they've got receivers. Randall Cobb, he's about my age, but he can still play. <laughs> but you have to look out for Aaron Rodgers. You know he's a Hall of Fame-type quarterback, and you know at any time he could strike it up. I was impressed with the way the defense played last week. They took away the quick throws, and that's what they're going to see against Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers trying to get the football out quickly. So the movement that they had on the back end post-snap, I think is going to be important in this game as well. Yeah, you look at the last two games the Eagles played, Washington and Indy. Uh, weren't able to finish that game against Washington because I don't think we were able to get Taylor Heineke out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Against Indy, that's exactly what we were able to do in that fourth quarter with Matt Ryan. They wanted to run the football, but they couldn't. The Eagles stopped the run, forcing them to throw the ball, and that's when our defensive line took over late in that game. The big sack from Hassan Reddick, the big sack from Brandon Graham that put them in fourth and forever. And you watch even on that last play, the way Fletcher got out the ball and forced Matt Ryan out of the pocket. That's what you have to do. Aaron Rodgers, yes, he still has that ability. I'm not going to minimize his greatness, but they want to run the football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We need to be able to get them in third and long situations where it's obvious passing downs and I'll take our secondary up against those young wide receivers and as much as I like Randall Cobb he's Mike Quick's age <laughs> well and they'll have Dylan going between the tackles and yeah. they'll try and get Aaron Jones to the outside he's a big dude he's probably 245 pounds and he's a thumper in the middle but on the outside is where they're trying to get Jones but you're right they want to run the football and they're going to set up their passing attack off of the run game. And the Packers, they run a lot of motion. Old school guys would call it eye candy. Maybe young people call yes. it the uh, Instagram fil uh, filters, you know, like, is it real? So what do you do to stay disciplined as a defensive guy? Well, as an old school guy, I use an old school term. Keep your eye on your luggage. I mean, that's what that offense, Matt LaFleur, the Kyle Shanahan offense, Sean McVay, they're going to give you a lot of pre-snap motion to see if they can get you to make a mistake in your responsibilities. And as long as you're sound in your pre-snap recognition, Mission. All you got to do is trust your preparation and you'll be where you're supposed to be at. But that's what this offense is predicated on. A lot of pre-snap movement and it's to get you to be confused on the defensive side of the ball. Some really impressive throws from Jalen Hurts and going into this game against the Packers, what do you expect from that Eagles passing game against that Packers secondary? Well, the Packers secondary, they're a little bit banged up. Their defense is a little bit banged up. Missing Rashad Gary, Eric Stokes, two of their better defenders. And guys, they've got former Eagles, Rasul Douglas, Rudy Ford in the secondary. You have to attack those guys. Yeah, and then, you know, you Joe Barry as their D.C. Runs a lot of the same defensive concepts that Gus Bradley likes to run when you get those single high safeties, whether it's cover three or man-to-man -man coverage. But because they don't have the type of cover guys in the secondary, you're not going to get as much man coverage. You're going to get more zone. Zaire uh, Alexander, one of the best corners in all of football. So I look for the Eagles. A lot of things they did last week uh, against the Colts or had in their game plan, they can ship that over to this game plan as well. You're going to get those single high safeties. I think we have the receivers to take advantage of it because I don't think the, the Packers secondary has the speed to keep up with our guys. John, you like the three-level stretch. Love it. I think we're going to see a little three-level stretch this week. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait for Sunday night. And by the way, this time of the year when it gets colder, night games, whatever, 
Do the Eagles have the most versatile offense in the NFC, at least because they have the passing game, you have all the weapons, but you can also run the ball, it seems, pretty much any time they want. Yeah, and listen, when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, he also gives you the ability to run the ball or throw the ball within the same play yes. from a conceptual standpoint. So the Eagles have the ingredients there that you need this time of the year when you want to have diversity in your offense, the ability to throw the ball, the ability to run the ball, and feel comfortable doing that the Eagles have that. It's all about executing the game plan coming down the stretch. And this time of year, you know you have to be able to run the football. But Ike is exactly right. With a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and his ability to do so many things on the football field, it really scares the defense and especially a coordinator who's up at night trying to figure out how to slow this guy down. And the idea of using the play-action pass, I think, is what sets this offense apart from a lot of the offenses in the league. You know, one of the best running football teams in the game, whether we're putting the ball in the belly of the running back and play-action passing there, or you think Jalen is going to run the football. As a defender at that second level, that linebacker position, it becomes so difficult because you have run-gap responsibility that you want to get downhill and get to, but at the same time, you have to help the safeties and secondary guys out behind you by getting depth. That's what the Eagles were able to take advantage of on that play and several other plays when you look at the play-action pass. Indianapolis, those second-level defenders, they had to honor the run game. That allowed A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins to operate right behind them. And be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Fridays across all Eagles channels. Or if you live here in Philadelphia, again, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on NBC10. Great stuff from the Eagles Game Plan crew, as always. Thanks to them, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. If you're listening to this before you eat your turkey on Thursday, happy Thanksgiving. If you already ate your turkey, you're getting ready for Eagles football on Sunday. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. Hope uh, for all the best to you and your family for this holiday season. And we will talk to you next week.